0: I have another kind of like social norm question for you. Okay. I feel like every now and again, you and I get into these questions, whether it's at work or we're out in public, and we just don't know how to comport ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing this thing. I haven't like really, I didn't decide to start doing this. I've just been more noticeable of what people have on their cars around me. Like bumper stickers and stuff? Bumper stickers and other kind of stickers. Um, So I saw this one of a, a car in front of me here. I'll hand it to you. See if you can see it. You got a long table. So here's one. And I got one more after that. Okay. So does anything stand out about the picture that you see? It's a family it's one of those so it's like a, one of
1: the stick figure family. Right pictures, one of the stick figure family stickers. Uh-huh. And it's got a dad grilling. Yep. And it looks like a mom with a soccer ball. Or maybe a kid with a soccer ball. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And a dog and a or two cats. And then it looks like there's possibly one child that's been scrubbed out.
0: <laughs> it looks like one of the people has been scrubbed out. It looks yeah. like the mom maybe has been scrubbed out too. Like the child. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. But the
1: mom looks scrubbed the out. The mom too. and the child have been scrubbed out. One of the children.
0: And I'd never seen uh, that before, um, where two out of the four were very clear, and then two were scrubbed out. And it made yeah. me think, either number one, this is a, someone to, who's experienced a tragedy, and then you really don't think <laughs> about the stickers that you put on your car, and then how to deal with them
1: post a tragedy, right. and, and the. So in a fit of sorrow, they just start tearing at it with their bare hands. It kind of looks like that, right?
0: Or, and, and listen, it doesn't have to, yeah, it's like a divorce maybe, yeah. and they won partial custody, or, you know, the child disappointed them in some way. And, right. Um, so yeah, so I saw that, and I was like, oh, I want to take a picture of that. Now swipe to the, there might be two uh, of that one, and then uh, there's yeah. one of, one I took today. And that is like an SUV.
1: Okay. And this one says, the Holy Ghost is not a dove. He is a serpent. (laughs) And it kind of, honestly, it kind of looks like it's been written in like bird shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah
0: right it looks yeah. like yeah it's not like clearly like bubble font paint or whatever it, it does look really uh, crumbly written and so
1: and there were no other bumper stickers on this one no other bumper stickers
0: I think for me the weird one about this one is that there's no dot-com at the end of that sure like normally this is where you see something like the Holy Ghost is not a whatever he's a serpent And then it's like, holyghostserpent.com, you know? And then I also thought, what a a strange, very specific uh, kind of conspiracy.
1: Yeah. So is there any, can you pull any kind of meaning from that? There is absolutely no meaning. Uh, It also made me
0: think like that would be the kind of thing that I would write on somebody's car for a prank like that sure. to me is the perfect it's it's Maybe not a that's prank what it is to put like just married it's prank to put something clearly unintelligible <laughs> and, a, and kind of insane on someone's car
1: was that car near regent
0: no this hmm. is downtown norfolk i also on this one especially did the thing where when i drove by i kind of like ha- i had to look See who's driving? I had to look to see who's driving. You kind of want to like look over and you see like literally the devil is driving. Of course, yeah. Like just fully out of any kind of illusion. (laughs) He's just like in full horns just driving. I could have missed it. I could have missed that if I didn't look. Right. It wasn't the devil as far as I could tell.
1: Who was it?
0: Just a a lady driving along, going to her the, the Holy Ghost is a Serpent meeting. Yeah. And uh, both times I did this, I got really self-conscious about pulling out my phone. I was parked both times, number one. Um, And I totally felt like people were looking at me. Mm -hmm. Like somebody holding up their camera in a car, I feel like is a noticeable act.
1: At this point, I don't think it is. You
0: don't think so? That's part of my question is like, how much of that is my own kind of paranoia? If
1: you take the time to look into other people's cars when you're driving, I think you would see ninety percent of them were looking at their phones, at least. So you, so you think it's
0: so? Number one, you wouldn't have any problem if you saw something just whipping out your phone. No, I have the same something.
1: insecurities, but okay. I am able to tell myself this is totally normal behavior because. When I'm driving around, I look in other people's car. Well, I really only look when somebody does something like stupid or like they sit at a light for too long. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, my first thought is I, that person is looking at their phone, and so then I will just go want to out me. of my way to verify. Right? I want to make sure. I, I just want to know that that's what they're doing.
0: Um, and they are, yeah,
1: ninety percent of the time.
0: How many times have they looked back and made eye contact with uh, you? Right probably you never.
1: At- I mean, none that stick out in my mind.
0: So number one. It's not weird for me to do what I'm doing.
1: Right? No. Okay. If someone has written <laughs> that on the back of their car, they have to know that people are going to take pictures. There was a post on Reddit the other day that was like, I can't remember what subreddit was in. Maybe it was like the political humor subreddit. It was on the front page, whatever it was. But it was like, it was, a, it was a, the back of someone's car. And they had a bumper sticker on, like, the window that said, like, never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. Yep. And then below that on the bumper, they had the Trump sticker, right? Did you see that?
0: No, I didn't see it,
1: but but, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. I saw the punch. So then I go into the comments just to see what the comments are. And the very first comment is... (laughs) <laughs> bumper stickers are stupid. <laughs> and that's all it took for me to be like, you know what? Bumper stickers are, are stupid. stupid. <laughs> Why do people put bumper stickers on the car? And I have a bumper sticker on my car. Yeah, you're for you're the your best, best show. show. Yeah. Which I think makes sense, but even then, all it took was that one comment for me to be like, yeah, you know what? I should probably take that best show sticker off of my car.
0: You no longer believe in bumper stickers.
1: I don't totally against. I mean I was I was not particularly for them before, especially those stick figure family ones. Those are just I don't know. I mean whatever. I I guess you can't be too harsh on it, right? Because it's someone's like putting that up out of love, right? It's cuz they love their family so much. <laughs> yeah. So I feel bad being mean about it.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the impulse is to accurately document the number of your family is like on the back of your car like what is that drive it's like i've got three kids not me but you know if somebody has three kids married with a dog and a hamster Mm -hmm. they're gonna get a decal for every single one of those elements and stick it on their car right um which again like seeing that one with it being wiped out like what is the protocol for? New pets. Yeah. You know, do they, you just stick over? You just keep sticking like one decal right over the other one? Or do you, you get...
1: get like a gravestone decal? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So let me run this by you. See if anything has happened. Uh, anything like this has happened to you. Because at this point I've brushed it off. But I have a feeling it may uh, start to weigh on me a little bit. Today, I was home with the girls, and they were playing Kirby, the new Kirby game, right? They got to play for like 45 minutes, and then I tell them to stop. They have to go upstairs to take a bath, and of course, Sophia's like, can I play Kirby again later? And so I'm like, well, depends on if you clean your room up after your bath how quickly you eat your dinner blah 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 blah. and she's like well i want to play kirby i say okay well you have to do all these things if you want to play kirby again you got to play for a long time this afternoon if you want to play again you have to do these things and i'm like going to go upstairs and she's like over here in this room right and i'm Mm -hmm. over in the by the kitchen table Mm -hmm. and i hear her say not to me because i'm not in the room I hear her say, I'm going to get a knife from the kitchen, and when you're asleep, I'm going to cut you open. <laughs> all in
0: one all in one go.
1: Yes, all in one go. Like no like she may have like hesitated a little bit to figure out how she wanted to word it. Right. But like, it was it was all in one go. And it was like she going for your throat. Right. It was like surprisingly lucid. You know what I mean? It wasn't like something that was like. <laughs> it wasn't like, something I was like, this is the first time I'm ever saying this <laughs> ro- Yeah, it rolled off <laughs> the tongue a little right, too quickly Right, exactly um, But I was just sort of shrugged it off <laughs> like it, can't I can't just say the darnest things right. When I called her name and walked over here, she was like smiling and like giggling to herself almost And so I was like, did you, uh, have you like heard that somewhere before or did you just make that up? And she's just like looking at me. I was like, did you hear that from school or maybe something you want? She's like, no, I just made it up. And I said, OK, well, we don't joke like that. OK, and I just sort of like, you know, I'm brushed on. up, didn't make a big deal about it. But it is was kind of is a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: I mean, well, here's the thing. Kids are creepy.
1: Right. Right. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, fundamentally, you're, you're dealing with the fact that that kids yeah kids there's a reason why so many horror movies involve children yeah uh number 2 um you, know, you you realize like i don't know my son his inner life right and i don't know that he knows it either <laughs> right. i think he's just kind of bouncing around in there yeah. internally just whatever comes out uh you heard the story of our niece Right, which she—I forget who You're she right,
1: said—shoving someone down a drain or something in a trash can. trash can. I'm
0: gonna cut you up and put you in a trash can, right. or Something. I think there's something about that. Um, I have. So, India started playing Fortnite mm-hmm. with his cousins, mm-hmm. and it's strange to hear him. <laughs> I I tried to <laughs> defend it to Elise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've been reading uh, Waypoint, Vice's gaming right. section is doing all week on violence yeah. in video games and how it does not lead to violent behavior. Right. There's no correlation. Having said that, <laughs> have you seen Fortnite? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is super cartoony. Right. Yeah, Basically, yeah. I I ended up writing an email to Patrick Klepek, who put out a call for uh, parents and teachers who know kids who are playing Fortnite and asking how it got so big. The game looks like Splatoon type of graphics, right. practically. It's super silly, super colorful. But... The weapons in the game are all real tactical weapons. When we played PUBG, one gun that you wanted was a SCAR. Mm-hmm. And it made sense that the SCAR was a weapon type in PUBG. Right. To hear him run around and be like, <laughs> I got a tactical shotgun. Right. is so weird. And so last night, his last game of the night... Uh-huh. and. He is saying the worst things. He has no idea. I actually talked to him a little bit today. But last night, he was all excited, and the game finally clicked for him, I think. Mm. And he comes running to tell Elise and I I shot some, I headshotted somebody, (laughs) and they dropped an assault rifle, and I picked it up and killed everybody with it. And. That string of words coming out of his right. mouth was just.
1: It's very strange.
0: It's very strange. Yeah. Uh, and so I've been trying to deal with and wrestle with this idea that Indy can say words and have no correlation to what those words mean. Right. The disconnect. The disconnect is extreme yeah. in children. And so on his way home from school today, I kind of talked to him a little bit about um, some of the protests going on around uh, in schools today. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that he knows about... No, I know he does not know about Parkland. Right. Um, And so I was just trying to talk to him a little bit like, hey, do you know what's going on with the protests? And you know about gun control and and guns, the idea with guns. Uh, And he had no... Just clueless Mm -hmm. you know and we talked a little bit about it and i realized he has no connection to like assault rifles and
1: killing people with it Mm -hmm. he or maybe even that they're real things
0: yeah or even that they're real things yeah and when i when i told him i was like yeah some people you know when you turn 18 you could buy you know one of those assault uh rifles that you get in the in the game Mm -hmm. and he's like why would
1: anybody want that and
0: i was like yeah exactly You know, and so Mm. I just kind of realized
1: like, were you like, well, there's this thing called the Second Amendment. Oh, I was like, listen, son. And it gives us the ultimate right to own whatever weapon we want.
0: The only thing stopping us from uh, a a Mao-esque government overrun are all the uh, armed citizens who have AR-15s in their home right now. Those are the true heroes. Um. Yeah, no, it's it's so and and that kind of goes back to um Waypoint put out a pa- Patrick Klepek put out a interview he did with a researcher uh who's studying the connection between violence in video games and violent behavior. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really good. Um it's like a solo podcast he released it as. And um and you know, he's he's basically saying that like there is no correlation between that. And funnily enough, one thing that set some of these school shooters, and he used um, Sandy Hook as his main research focus. That's what kind of got him going. He was like, one thing was the, um, that shooter used to go play like Dance Dance Revolution every day. He was mm-hmm. obsessed with it. And one of the things that made him stand out from his peers, that his peers noticed, that made him odd or different, was his lack of playing violent video games. That, in a lot of ways, what your peers do is the normative behavior for children to do, Mm -hmm. and if the children do not engage in the normative behavior, that can be a signal that they are not, you know, finding their place. It's odd to say that his peer group was playing violent video games like call of duty. And the fact that he was not engaging in call of duty could have been a sign that he was not kind of development or or, or developing well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was like, he was also like, listen, I don't let my kids play violent video games. He's like, there are other reasons to not let your eight year old play grand theft auto. right?" But you know, normative behavior and all that and then you know i watch Fortnite. i don't know man the disconnect is it's not a violent video game they just use
1: real weapons and there's is there blood or anything no no blood there's no blood it's just weird like i
0: said in in my email i was like it's just a strange disconnect that you have a game where they're scrambling for a technical shotgun yeah and they're also destroying whole buildings with an oversized hoe Pickaxe, it's more of a hoe. <laughs> I've seen the game. It's a pickaxe. Do you know what a hoe is? Uh, yeah. I I see an oversized one in um, Fortnite. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. Do you have any? I mean, I feel like yeah, I'm talking a lot. No, no. I'm no, trying no. To read I understand.
1: Your- it's it's the. Yeah, I mean, we haven't got to it yet, obviously, because the girls are still young enough. But they do play Splatoon or Kirby, and they do say kill a lot. And that is very strange, where they're like, kill that guy, or that guy killed me. And just (laughs) that is just like, ooh, this is a little, uh, this makes me a little uncomfortable. But I didn't, you know, we grew up playing video games, obviously. But I didn't play, well, I mean, I guess I played Doom on the PC, but... I mostly played like super nerdy, like fi- the Final Fantasy games. You know, I didn't grow up playing shooters or anything like that. Really, right. I grew up playing, you know, Final Fantasy and. But, but
0: you, but you lack almost all emotion. <laughs> you're right. So you're actually not <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. test. Maybe, test.
1: maybe I didn't start, but I didn't start playing the shooters until like the three hundred and sixty came out, and they made seven. Like, They made online play real easy. Well, yeah, I guess 007. That's true. But that was more of a localized thing. And it was still like on Nintendo 64, I played, probably played like Mario Kart more than I played 007 or the WCW uh, NWO Revenge, (laughs) the wrestling game. That game was great. But I just was never super into the shooters until the 360 came out and multiplayer until you started getting so angry real easy right until i started well i'm yeah yeah no you're right (laughs) (laughs) i Um,
0: i here's here's one question i don't know if this is even a good question to ask but i ended my email by saying i wonder if fortnite would be as popular a game if the weapons they used were like splatoon
1: weapons you mean as in they shot ink? I mean, I was under the impression that the weapons in Fortnite weren't real because somebody was talking about how they've got like a gun that makes everyone dance. That might be the full game. They this were, is the Battle Royale. No, they were talking about it on uh, the um, Awful Squad. They were talking about what they thought about Fortnite because they played PUBG so much. And, sh- and one of the girls was like, well, I, I actually... You know, she's like, I'm not like a gun nut or whatever, but I like the realism of PUBG over Fortnite because I can't get into the, like the goofiness of Fortnite. And one of her examples was a gun that makes everyone dance. I don't know. I haven't seen that. <clears throat> In- I played Fortnite for like 30 seconds before I realized this game is not for this me.
0: This game is silly. Yeah. Oh, we have some
1: corrections. Okay. I you when have I said some it, corrections. I don't look you back. You do have a, you have okay. a big one. <laughs> All right. Hit me with it then. I, I, have, I
0: knew when I said it, and I was too arrogant to look it up. I knew it was wrong. Ugly Delicious is David Chang, not Justin Chang. Okay. And when I said it, Justin Chang is a film writer that
1: I read. Oh, okay. And I
0: just flipped the names. <clears throat>
1: okay. Um,
0: you... In talking about Lion King, said Mustafa instead of Mufasa.
1: It's <laughs> that same thing. No, it's not. Um, Who's Mustafa then? I don't know, you you said Mustafa. I've Who never Mustafa? heard of Mufasa in my life.
0: Even to your own ear right now, Mufasa does, no, not, sound more does right not. No, it doesn't. It does Mustafa. not. No,
1: it does not. No, I have to look it up. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it yeah, doesn't but, sound I mean, right to me. It's
0: it's weird how even if you don't have a clear recollection of it, I mean if I, I said... St- look, I
1: told you I don't look back. I stand my ground.
0: <laughs> you know, if if I said uh um rumpel
1: Well that's obviously wrong. And
0: rumpel stiltskin. No, but well, I look,
1: mean, Mustafa is obviously not Wrong enough to have made you call me out when I said it. It I sounded can, right to you.
0: I knew when you said it, I honestly wasn't listening. Well, um, yeah. So anyway, you're you're wrong there. So all right, apologize to Disney. They need it. Yeah, they need your apology. Um. Oh, right That's Semiosis. it. Those are the only two corrections. I think we've been golden. Literally. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't know why ever since I've been trying to focus on my language more, I've been making mistakes more. Is it a well, you're good trade more
1: conscious of it? Is
0: that. it a good trade-off me stop trying to stop saying sit there and say no. and write? No. If I say, just say it just in Makes you who
1: you are. I'm People know on. what we're saying. That
0: should have been the title of our podcast.
1: Yeah. You know what we're saying. I have no patience for Pedantry.
0: Hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> um,
1: um, I mean, it's, it's the th- it's the old high school joke of like when you're trying to make a point and then you flub something and then all the other person does is like, <laughs> right. It's like, all right, everybody does it. Give me a break. I, you know what I mean? I can't believe I
0: lived almost a decade plus of my life in just complete and utter terror. Of flubbing one word right. when I was in a serious ish conversation yeah. for fear that.
1: Right, because That's you it. knew the other it's person lost. would be like. Anytime you try to say it, it's anything else, it just said. It's like, oh, come on, everybody does it. It does work. So uh semiosis. Yeah, semiosis. Uh book that you recommended. And having not read it, I just heard good things. Oh right, okay. Mm-hmm. And um so it's about the basic setup is Earth is dead or dying? Dying. I think people are still around. And that. so they send a mission to find another planet to live on. They find and they find a planet uh this one ended up being a compromised planet yeah right because like something went wrong something went wrong they find a compromised planet. the only thing that's really different is like the gravity is a little bit stronger yeah um and yeah they find another planet and wacky adventures from there (laughs) so i think the one thing um
0: so i guess maybe I'd, i'd like to start this on just a more like practical level of how the writing style work for you how the structure work how the general story go and then maybe dig a little deeper um so do you want to give just like a quick overview of your thoughts on the
1: story itself sure uh so i as noted on the podcast i read Maybe 20 pages of the book. <laughs> and then I gave up on that and decided to just listen to the audio book. Um, overall, I would say I feel like it is hard to dislike an audio book uh-huh. because it's just so easy to keep listening. Yeah. Right? Like it's much harder to keep reading something you don't like. Right. You can just just don't hit pause. Right. But anyways, but with that being said, I liked it. Um the sh- I thought the structure was interesting because it starts um it's kind of told in a almost like a um, what's that reporter's name, The Good War. He wrote The Good War. Mm. Like this reporter and it's like the it's it's the um it's the book that, like, World War Z is sort of based off of. Yeah. And so the idea is that you've got this one historical event, and then you're telling it through the eyes of different people who... Ex- Studs Turkle. Studs Turkle, that's right, mm-hmm. who experienced it, right? And so it's got a little bit of that vibe where it's like it starts off with the first um, colonists who land on the planet, and then you sort of move ahead a generation And you keep sort of moving ahead somewhat. It kind feels like it slows down towards the end Mm -hmm. where you've got bigger jumps in the beginning. And so I liked that approach for like the first four chapters. And I also kind of got the impression that it was doing this thing where it's like the first chapter with the uh, first colonist was kind of like a... um, Uh, just like a, a space survival story right and so you're getting elements of that they're kind of figuring out the landscape although I have to admit I could care less about people figuring out exactly what plants to eat while they're trying to survive in a fictional story right I don't care about how he planted potatoes in the Martian I don't care about any of that stuff. That is so boring to me and just absolutely like the height of just like almost like navel gazing for an author, right? It's just like you're throwing out all of these scientific turns to me. I don't care what any of them mean. I don't care how this plant life would react in a different gravity please get on from this. <laughs> there's not a lot of that in this book, there's but there's, not a lot. there's some of it. There's you're, enough to like, no, make me roll my eyes.
0: <clears throat> Listen, I think you're, you can't be talking about the very first thing that happens with the fruit that they <clears throat> eat and the difference of the fruit that they find on the planet. Right. Yeah. That, that's kind of central. To it is, but
1: you don't know that at the time. That's at the beginning of the book. And so my mind is going to, like, this is just how these people are surviving. Yes, it ends up meaning something later on, but I don't know that. So the first chapter is that. The second chapter is almost like a, a, a youthful uprising, almost like a Hunger Games sort yep. of type thing, mm-hmm. which I thought was was really interesting, and especially yeah. the way it ended. Yeah. Uh, with, and that was when I was really hooked. But then it goes into the third chapter, which a is detective. like this – no, 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 it goes in the third chapter, which is like the um the um the guy who's like the stud, the Lothario, right, who's like sleeps around with oh, all the women, oh him, yes, and that chapter, I thought was just like just didn't do it for me, but I did like how she was. I got the impression that she was doing, like, taking, like, almost different genres Genres. for each chapter. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth chapter is the murder mystery. I was like, oh, this is, I really like how she's doing this. Mm -hmm. But then after the fourth chapter, it becomes pretty much straightforward. Um, I'm just going to sort of wrap this story up. And so it lost, by that point, I was, like, engaged enough to want to finish the book. But I was not like excited about it as I was with the first four chapters. It's like
0: first four chapters are generation jump, generation jump, right? Long pause, one more generation jump, book over,
1: right? And then it's yeah, and then it's like, okay, now we've got this character and we're just going to focus on this event for the second half of the book. Mm -hmm. And it was all right. So
0: just sticking with the general kind of uh, how the book read to me. I I actually enjoyed it. It's like Annihilation, where I enjoy it the more that I think about it. Right. Even though I do enjoy... I did enjoy the book. Uh, it wasn't like a revelation. Yeah. You know, it's just a very solid book. Yeah. Um, and so I like that. I really, really did like The Generation Jumps. I, yeah. I liked i mean she could have it's not the book that she wanted to write but i like this idea too that something happens then there's a, the chapter ends you're in the next generation and then you're piecing together who's still alive who rose to power right. how did that play out yeah just told through the next generation as they reference the previous characters and are like our leader and then they say the name and you're like oh he made it you know he he's the leader now it's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like how the, the, sh- the movement of the book is hard to nail down at first. In fact, the first two plants that they encounter aren't mentioned after the first chapter of the book. Like I thought it was going to be the, uh, the... The east
1: and west vines, you mean? Mm-hmm.
0: The east and west vines. Uh, and so basically what happens is these colonists land, these two vines are warring against each other. And they're referred to as the East and the West vine Mm -hmm. of like a clearing and the colonists land. And immediately like the West vine identifies that these people can help it. So it gives them good fruit to eat. Right. And the East vine recognizes that, you know, if these people help the West vine, it will lose. Right. So it grows the same looking fruit, but makes it poisonous. Right. And actually ends up killing people. What is interesting is that the book from the beginning sets out to kind of show the lifespan of a civilization Mm -hmm. that to me ended up being its true focus and made the second half of the book work better for me. than I think it did for you because in the narrative, there's an uprising and, Part of the group relocates to like a city, um, right that's been abandoned.
1: yeah, so uh part of the earlier half of the book is that they so they land on this plant, they don't know what's there, right? I, I don't know at one point they realize that the the vegetation is like intelligent.
0: almost pre- like two people die. That's collecting, right. collecting the fruit. Right. And so they see that these two people have died. They have a botanist there. He's feeling guilty. He's looking at the fruit mm-hmm. and he realizes it's the same type of fruit, but one's poisonous and one's not. Right. And one is coming from that vine and one's coming from this vine. And that plus what happens to the dead bodies, the vines start fighting over the bodies. Right. He... It's, it's pretty clear what's happening.
1: Right. There. And then towards the end of that, they...
0: Wh- which I also like that it doesn't play around. Yeah. They, they, they're pretty smart people. Right. They don't spend three generations being like, well, maybe the plants are smart. You know? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> That's why we're all dying. Yeah. Uh, but then the, at one point, some of the kids get loose and find this hidden city, and they realize that there is another life form on the planet. And I really, and that's what had me hooked at the end of, I guess, the second chapter. Mm -hmm. I didn't totally love what they, what she did with that second or third life form, depending how you want to define it. But. They end up
0: being like insects. Yeah. Like large insects. But they built a city.
1: Well, right. And they've become nomads for some reason. And they've
0: become nomads for some reason. And there's a bamboo, like a bamboo plant that is kind of overrun the city right but by the time these people relocate the bamboo is dying out because it just doesn't have enough there to support it
1: right you kind of get the impression that the nomads have abandoned the bamboo right that they had some sort of relationship to begin with but they've they've left they left for whatever the
0: reason. bamboo's there and now both are dying Right, You find out that these third life forms are not in yeah. a good way.
1: <clears throat> and so I appreciate what they did with or what she did with the sort of this relationship between the bamboo and the people and how it is kind of the, not even kind of, it is the dominant life force, right? Like the bamboo is smarter than all these people, obviously has more resources, um, but a lot of that. Is the introduction is very clunky. And well, I guess that's not fair because as it turns out, it's like the audiobook reading, right? Oh. Because the writing is fine. The
0: writing's fine.
1: The guy who reads the bamboo. Yeah. So bad. And when you first get so you get these chapters from the bamboo's like internal monologue. And <clears throat> when you're first when you're when you get that first chapter, the bamboo is like learning the language. So it's speaking very uh, rudimentary. It's, it's speech is very rudimentary, right? And it is just very, I don't know, that with the guy's voice, who I described as he's doing, like, a bad, like, Stewie from Family Guy impression. <laughs> that with, like, the stilted dialogue, it's just like, I'm not going to be able to listen. This is so bad. But eventually you, it gets to the point where it's, like, able to speak in fully formed sentences and thoughts. And it's the voice is still bad, but the you can deal with it because the writing's not bad. Yeah, which again, I guess I can't say it was bad before. It just was the guy's voice was ruining it for me.
0: Yeah, he was trying to do like it was like AI, like but if the artificial intelligence was really dumb, yeah, and it wasn't catching on very quickly.
1: Well, and it's also inconsistent because there were there were points where it's like, um. I can't remember what the example was now but there were, I remember there is a there's throughout the entire thing he's like the um the uh bamboo what was the ba- Steveland yeah was referring to the other to other planets as like spheres or something like really dumb just like like he like he's a baby so he doesn't know to call it earth or whatever just knows to call it a sphere but he does know like what music is or something like it's just like like examples like that really take. Well, me out here's what it. It well, really I,
0: I felt like with Steve Lynn the bamboo, he also makes reference to something happening before. Mm-hmm. And you get the sense that this bamboo was present for the fall of the first civilization. Right. And that it somehow may have been responsible for it or was involved in some way. <clears throat> because even as the story ramps up with these new people who he has a good relationship with, he's hesitant to like, get violent. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to do that,
1: like, quote unquote, again. Well, and the people are also self-proclaimed pacifists.
0: Yeah. Well, so this is where I find the story really interesting. Mm-hmm. Because they are self-proclaimed pacifists. They are trying to live conscientiously on this planet that just so happens to be conscious. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that was unintentional. I think that is key to like what she's trying to do, is trace the impact of humanity on, you know, the land on mm-hmm. the planet. Right. And even humanity with the best intentions cannot sustain itself. You know, so it it kind of tracks even this decision that ends up setting them up to be like successful moving on and getting away from these first two warring plants was an act of violence. Right, yeah. And then they go to a to a fallen city that displaced in some ways, you know, displace the people who were there mm-hmm. and they're kind of living off of the work and toil of this first species. Yeah. And so I, I found that really interesting. And early on, you see a, you see them putting value on little things that are going to set the tone of their whole civilization. And so whether they're going to defend themselves there's one really interesting passage where they want to kind of protect the dead bodies of these people who died eating this poisonous fruit, but a vine is using them now to kind of get sustenance and, and uh, to grow. Mm -hmm. And their thought is, you know, if they're violent on that, in that place, they're going to be both violent to the plant and also to the bodies And could send a signal that they don't value their own bodies Mm. or or their spaces, their sacred spaces, you know, that they don't have any. I I thought it was interesting because, you know, you look at America and, and I feel like we we've talked about this a little bit. But in many ways, it's like we have to deal with the hand that we've been dealt so far, like this country was built on slavery. Mm hmm. And you can't say like, oh, well, that was then. This is now. Like You can't just have something be built on something rotten and then say like, well, we've outgrown the rottenness. Mm -hmm. The rottenness is going to follow you. you. You have to protect every element of a civilization if you're going to protect its integrity moving forward. Even if there's one small spot of rot Eventually, that's going to grow and could cripple the entire civilization.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, I found it interesting that in this group of pacifists, you do see how the violence worked out and had to be done. But that knife that was used to commit the violence becomes a, a secret that is then passed down right. from leader to leader to leader yeah. who has to wrestle with the fact <clears throat> of. What they did, and I think it was two chapters after that. Right? They end up dealing with a serial killer. Yes. Who is just born, just born. Yeah. I mean, I knew that you wouldn't like that. I loved that. I, it's not that I
1: don't like it, but
0: but no, I I was thinking that maybe you didn't like it, not based on how she wrote it and the and the story function, but because of what it was saying about the society. That there's no way to protect against evil from introducing itself, especially if your civilization is built on an act of violence. That 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 can and will pollute, you know, people moving forward in ways that you can't anticipate and protect
1: from. Yeah, I guess maybe it's like a semantics thing. I just... A born seer. I just this this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there's just so there's too many. Like, first of all, first of all, it's a fictional book, so it's like this is anybody can be anything in a fictional book. You can say this person was a born seer. Okay, fine. This is if this book is not real. That's fine. But like, there's so many just like environmental factors that play into everything. That I don't know. It's just somebody being born. Anything doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Why not? I mean, even if like we're all you know, kind of subjects of our own chemistry. So if your chemistry is off, like I read a whole article, I forget where it was published, but it was on like childhood uh, psychopaths. Uh Parents who are dealing with eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, and these parents are not psychotic. Yeah. They didn't have an episode that impacted their, their child. Their child just grew up psychopathic.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, if you're talking about, like, a chemical imbalance, I don't see that as, like, this, like, supernatural evil force. That Like, that's something that you, like, it. okay, there, there is an imbalance there that has been pinned down. That's not, like, I guess, I guess my issue with it is this just, like, undefinable idea of evil. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, you say, like... These are genetics that are being passed down. Okay, well, that's I know what that is. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, but I think that what... And again, I don't like the critique, and I don't know that you're saying this critique fully, but I don't like this critique of people who will even say, like, I don't read fiction. As if nonfiction... First off, what are you doing in nonfiction? You're telling a story. You're sure. basing it off of fact, but you're telling a story. You, you know, I've read plenty of nonfiction that when I got to the end of it, I was like, "Uh, I, you know, I maybe, if I cared enough, would go back and read some of these sources mm-hmm. a little closer. Sure. Um, so first off, there's that, right? I don't know that many nonfiction stories are f- more fiction than fiction. Sure. Number two, what I like about fiction is it can reach at some of the deeper questions underlying its points in ways that I think have value. So with this, you could say that the, the fact that they were dealing with a serial killer could be traced back to the introduction of violence in their community. Sure. Sure. Their, yeah, I have no issues with in their that. In the basic structure, right? So, but that's not necessarily chemical. You are then making a metaphysical kind of connection between this act yeah. of violence or evil yeah. will and can pollute and affect people around it. Yeah, like a cloud. You I know? think
1: my problem with it is the inevitability of the of the idea of of it, because saying that someone is born, you know evil or born to be a school shooter or born to be a serial killer or whatever. I just don't like the inevitability of it because it just, I mean, there's a million different things that can, that can happen. I'm not trying to deny like environmental influences. Like that's the first thing I think of.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think this is where, you know, you, and to me it's, it's all just words. Um, like, We're all hitting at the same thing, but a metaphysical or like a spiritual reality, you know, I know some people are like, well, I don't like the spiritual idea, but I don't know that, you know, I don't know that humanity is so easily defined down to just like you're saying, like, you don't like the determinism of these ideas. Like you're, you're born, sorry, you're going to be a school shooter. Mm hmm. I can agree with you on that, but I also don't know that there is any way to get away from that, like even if all you believe is the body's biology and chemistry, that is predeterminate as well in terms of how you are going to be thinking mm-hmm. and what you're what you're prone to in terms of diseases or. Yeah. I don't Uh, think
1: it's as big of an influence as environmental factors. Economic factors, social factors. I don't think it's... I think it's very easily influenced by outside factors.
0: Yeah. See, I I think this this is another question, but I do think that it is something that is part of our... Humanity. I don't mm-hmm. know that's easy to pin down, but I think that we all kind of drift more towards, you know, I don't know. I, I look at the 1%. I don't see wealth and comfort making us better people. I see it just exposing a rot that's already there, you know? Now, know that is how environmental it is, other than it seems to be pretty. Prevalent in a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know. I, I, it just seems like power to me. Most people. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just seems like power is more corrupting than anything else. You mean like that's an outside factor? That's an environmental factor.
0: Yeah. So I guess I guess just to move on from this point, then, what I I think we both would agree. That we are not born, you know, this idea of tabula rasa, right? Right. Blank slate. Sure. Okay. I think No, I, th- I don't yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that either. So I think that we, we, we both I think where we differ is after that point, which is more semantic than anything. Sure. But I think it's a point in semiosis. Yeah, absolutely. Getting, no, getting, it is getting back yeah, to it. Yeah, it is. So so that's why I find you know, good about that. And I guess what I like about it too is it supports my own worldview. So, <laughs> sure. of course, I'm going to be like, yeah. yes, there is a, a center wrongness yeah, that from which breeds the wrongness that we encounter. And we'll never be able to, we could go to a distant planet, we could start as past. See, I disagree
1: with the never. I disagree with the never.
0: I I I don't that know. That to
1: me seems fatalistic. It just seems too like I don't know.
0: Well, listen, here's the thing. Look at our look at our human history here on earth. Yeah, that's fine, but Like I I just I see all the cultures. I see all these leaders. I see all these movements falling prey to the same uh you know, the, the same issues. But that same. doesn't
1: mean never. That doesn't mean it can't be overcome. That is so defeatist.
0: We've been around for a while on this earth. <laughs> so what? I'm not, I'm not seeing. Listen, I'm super excited because something else I, that I want to transition to a little bit after mm-hmm. this is talking about Wild Wild Country and how much uh-huh. we, we've watched from that. And I'm pushing hard for next week to do a cult episode. Yeah. And this that's fine. gets I've only in, got two episodes left. This gets into the my idea about cults, which if there was any hope for humanity, it would probably be in some of these cult, quote unquote, like movements that all seem to be birthed out of a, a desire to produce and live in harmony. And whatever. And I've I've taken a lot of, like, religious history courses. Yeah. I can't tell you how many of them end in any kind of leader, basically in a cave, ranting and raving, either killing his followers, getting them to kill themselves, or claiming that he is now, like, God incarnate. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I just... I'm not seeing humanity break from its mold and be like, hey, guys, I want to make a really great commune and I don't want any, you know, violence. (laughs) Yeah, I just see it all kind of like. No (laughs) murder. We can't do it. We can't do it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay. well, we can save it for the cult thing because that's a big I mean, maybe I don't want to get into it. Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't dislike the conclusions that the book drew or, or it exploring that sort of Avenue of building a society, uh, from these foundations, but I just didn't agree. I, 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 it just, it didn't, it didn't compel me in any way. It didn't convince me, you know what I mean? It didn't bring me over to that side.
0: What did you think of the moral struggle? So both the people and Steve land, the bamboo later on, they get attacked by these nomads who are just dying. They're Mm -hmm. desperate. They now want to retake their city. They get attacked. The people and Steve land wrestle a very long time, including earlier in the book, um, They get taken captive. Some of them get taken captive by these nomads. Mm -hmm. They're on a peace-seeking mission. Uh, They get taken prisoner. One of them falls to his death, Mm -hmm. and these nomads eat him. And they still prize peace, even in the face of one of their own being eaten in front of them. (laughs) That they, that they are still like, we cannot respond in violence. This is right. a misunderstanding. This is a miscommunication. Yeah. We, we need to still show them deference. What did you think of that moral struggle from there? And then in the end, when they're actually being attacked and Steve Lind is hesitant to kill uh, these people.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably more a commentary. I mean, it's obviously commentary on, like, pacifism, which, uh, I don't know. It's kind of dumb, I guess. I mean, it seems particularly dumb when you're, like, (laughs) arriving on a planet that you have no idea what else is there. Right? Which, you know, I couldn't imagine... Aliens showing up to our planet and all of us just make, oh, okay, let's just see what these people want. See, but weren't they
0: taking into account the fact that everything they did would have impact that if they went in there at all offensively, that 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 could ruin the entire civilization. Sure, But
1: there's I mean, I I guess I'm also more thinking. uh, I mean, yeah, I guess in terms of retaliation for it. I don't necessarily disagree with just like it being like, okay, like lesson learned. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think they, I guess, should have run in there and chopped everyone up. But I'm also thinking of the scenario later in the book where they're... City is being rushed by these glass makers and they have to decide whether or not they want to shoot real arrows at them, possibly killing them or shoot dulled arrows at them, which would just injure them, mm-hmm. which is neither of those like the dulled arrows is not pacifism. You're still attacking people. Right. So it's like if you're going to do it, like you might as well do it. You know what I mean? But. I don't know, like, I I don't... I, I guess their whole thing was, you know, we're going to be peaceful, we're trying to avoid the sins of the past, but I don't see defending yourself as violating that idea.
0: Yeah, I think the difference would be that it was defense before there was understanding.
1: So... Yeah, but I mean it's these, but the the nomads are not seeking understanding. Like if they're attacking you, like they're not.
0: But but that but I think that's the debate, right? The debate is they are not seeking. So at one point they actually capt uh they they capture some of these uh insects who they call glassmakers, and the glassmakers are hostile to them, and refuse to talk to them, refuse to eat. Mm-hmm. and they are like really trying hard to like learn their language to show them like they'll even they don't just keep them locked up like they let them out right they they have guards on them but they let them walk through the city they show them the old pictures because these glass have clearly been removed by generations
1: yeah so the the ones that they encounter are kind of mirroring their own revolution and that it's a younger group who have been nomads either cut, yeah either cut off or have purposefully left or maybe they're the only ones left but it's a younger generation who seems to be very aggressive
0: and so i think the 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 conversation or the debate i think is bigger than just are we being pacifists in this moment like Mm -hmm. dulled or sharp arrows. I think what they're trying to say is they're trying to say, do we respond in overt violence back at them Mm -hmm. and set that precedent with them that we are done? Or do we lay down even further to show them, in some ways, lay down by defending but not killing. Right. um, to, To show them like, we want more than this. Like, yeah. we, we do not want this at all. And so it's like the, you know, it's like the Gandhi quote. Like, you know, your pacifism might result in, you know, your death, but the benefit of your death will be greater, you know, if you die as a pacifist. Then if you raise up arms in the last second, it's like, I've been a pacifist, for all my life and in in my last dying breath I'm going to grab an AR15 and mow as many of you down as possible. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just like, well, you've just now defeated your whole message, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
0: So I I kind of like the fact that they wrestle with it, although I do agree, which I think is one of the commentaries of the book, it kind of shows that that is not a viable right solution, like it ends up being kind of a silly debate because you, you can't have what they wanted to have. You cannot do it.
1: Yeah. It, it, to me, it was more of a kind of a examination. It was, it's, it's, it, it does. I feel like it does a good job of representing like an American idea of pacifism. You know what I mean? Like as Americans, we are, relatively safe from the rest of the world right like unlike europe which shares borders with enemies we have we're more or less on an island Mm -hmm. so we can have people who believe in pacifism because it's not really ever challenged in this you know day and age uh and so that the difference between, I, so to me it was more of a look at like, okay, these are people coming from a planet where if it's dying, you know, I mean, I, I, get, I don't think it's ever explained, but I would imagine it's like an environmental thing or whatever. Like, it's not ever hinted at that it's like World War III and <laughs> See, the Earth has been blown up.
0: Well, with, with, with how pacifistic they are, I think, I think it probably is a violent
1: you think? Mm-hmm. Because I get the impression that it's more idealistic and that it just is like, because I feel like if it was more violent, no one would be leaving the planet where they've just been like in endless wars would think, hey, we're going to go to this completely new, potentially hostile planet and be total pacifists.
0: Or would they say, you know, the, the
1: fault of Earth was the violence? I don't know. That seems really naive to me. I think it is. And within
0: one generation, one of them is being killed by another one because they won't listen to the new idea.
1: Yeah. I guess, uh, I don't know. To me, it just seems like more of an ignorant decision than it is naive being naive. or But I guess those could be the same thing. What did you make of the, um, the book ends with, uh, did, you, did you do any research on the book afterwards or look anything up? No, actually. So the author did an AMA on Reddit. There was like 30 questions or something. <laughs> um, but someone was talking about how they had wished the book had ended from Steve Lynn's perspective. Mm-hmm. Where it ends with um, one of the uh, m- members of the city whose kid was killed, actually. Did you like? Did you like the way the book wrapped up? Did so, you want more from Steveland?
0: I, I mean, I, I'd probably say yes, but I have my own interpretation on Steveland. Okay, so I kind of filled in the gaps, I guess. And this is probably purely me at mm-hmm. this point. So the 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 text might not uh, bear this out at all. Sure. <laughs> But my hot take was Steve Lund, um after helping defend against the glassmakers, goes into kind of a si- uh, retreat, a meditation. Yeah. Before coming out and kind of synthesizing this virtue, prizing virtue, with defense and the need for violence. And thinks that he can be a, a benevolent force mm-hmm. for these people in the end. And I kind of get the feeling like that's not going to last. I don't know. So one of my, one of my takes is you need, um, you basically need the, the scientific revolution of ideas, right? The the rising of a new idea until that new idea becomes the old idea, which is then supplanted by the new idea, which then becomes the old idea, and that's the way that we progress as a as a species. That's the way science progresses, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, we live in a flat Earth. Everyone believes we live in a flat Earth. Then some crazy person comes along. They're like, Nope, the sun is revolving around us. We're a ball. Mm-hmm. And then that dominates. And then somebody says, nope, actually, we're revolving around the sun. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, But those take generations. Many times it's not one person who is supplanting their own idea with new findings. It's just like they make the next breakthrough and then they ride that wave until they're old and obsolete. And then the next person comes and builds on that mm-hmm. foundation. So I think that that is something that's necessary for us to move on because if you had the person who committed the violence to create this new order for people who was still around and could survive the entire progression of that civilization they would not be a good leader like i don't even if their 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 violence was committed in a good mm-hmm. like intention Right, I do not see that person. Then, like, flash forward two thousand years or whatever. Right.
1: And so, at the, at the end of the book, real quick, the when the these nomads start overrunning the city, Steve Lynn steps in and does some stuff. I can't remember to be honest. He like
0: releases. He right. gets the other plans to work with them too, and they basically just slaughter. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an absolute slaughter. Yeah. So he has done that. Now he has an intelligence that will never die unless you kill that whole, you you have to kill them all. Right. I don't see that he can watch societies and generations progress without ever being supplanted and have that be just an eternal rise with nary a fall at, at a later point you know mm-hmm. you you can't you just can't hold those moral compromises you can't hold them all every generation as well, you can see
1: in this you can't hey look maybe a planet spanning sentient root can, can. no nope, because i think at the end he
0: is wrestling with moral issues which i think is where it gets testy because Every generation, like we had to have the slavers die off in order for that to be supplanted with a new thought that dealt with its own issues, then that died off, and those people got to deal with their own issues. But if you had the slavers who had to then navigate all the other moral compromises and issues that we faced since then, they're not they, you can't hold all that you can't make all those moral. Yes, no decisions. And in this one, Steve Lind, for whatever reason, I think that there's an unspoken reason for why Steve Lind makes reference to what happened before, but never fully addresses mm-hmm. what happened to the glass makers. Because I think that he has either wiped it out or he's a new root that has a sense memory of what happened before, but has tried to grow away from that and be be different. Mm-hmm. He's This is just his first moral compromise. And look how he dealt with it.
1: Well, I you don't think it does a uh the the book does a, a a good job at like I mean the Steven has grown over time. Like when it's introduced, it seems to be pretty bad, right? Or at least I got the impression that like this root is going to do bad things.
0: No, I I think he starts off by just wanting a symbiotic relationship. He literally is just, you be good to me and I'll be good to you because he's not strong at that point. And and the people, which I think is interesting, the people look at these plants and they are immediately suspicious because they are like, they will be good to us as long as we're good to them. If we at every point want to say, hey, we're going to move up that mountain a little bit, Right. this plant will then turn, you know, evil on us, quote unquote evil, mm. because it sees that <clears throat> the thing that's helping it survive is moving.
1: But I got the impression that it was also plotting on how to become like dominant, I guess.
0: Again, I think it's it's it was. That's what I'm saying. But 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 I think for survival it did not have moral in its growth beginning because they end up you kind of linking with Steveland and making Steveland part of the community. Steveland's first in instinct is to become their leader. Right. He's like I will be your leader, but he's not thinking morally. He's thinking I know what you need. I am going sure. to produce these fruits, but the people in and, and one of the leaders is very suspicious of him because she is like, I don't know. Cause he'll be like, Hey, I I want you to think about this problem. I'm going to make a fruit that has this and that chemical
1: in it. And it's going to help you. But that, think. And that's exactly, that's exactly my point. It's at one point he, it gets to, I, and I don't, I can't remember if this is explicitly in one of his chapters or if this is, I think this is more presented through like the, Townspeople and their paranoia of like because they propose letting him be like a council member, basically, yeah but there is but but yeah, he he's capable of producing these fruits that the people are relying on and eating, and he's capable of like manipulating the fruits to then manipulate the people who are eating them, and you get the impression that like maybe this has been going on for years already or uh, or that it's going to happen, but then you get one of those jumps, and he has become like he's not doing that. at least I didn't get the impression that he was
0: well, yeah, because I think again, <clears throat> he wasn't thinking morally you don't that, think that's that a moral
1: point. decision for him to be like i'm not I'm purposefully not choosing to manipulate these people No, no,
0: I think that that's the growth that he goes through it, it, because early on like early on he's producing an alcohol
2: mm-hmm. for them
0: and many of them are becoming like addicted to this alcohol and one of the leaders recognizes like this alcohol right now is not a big problem but it shows his his ability right. to control us yeah and she doesn't drink it she doesn't like it and but steve Lind doesn't see like all he sees them as is like again you are helping me. I want to keep you here with me to help me because we're helping each other. Mm-hmm. But he's mainly about his survival. His growth, though, is a moral one where then he starts like valuing them as not just a resource. It's not like they're they're just soil, right? At first, I think he sees them as like soil that can move. Yeah. So I just want to keep that soil here. But- he didn't have to do it by uh, a violent means, but he would have. And I don't think that he would have thought like critically about it. I don't think he would have been like, I am hurting them. Mm-hmm. He he'd just say like, they tried to leave. I need to keep them here. I got to keep living. Like we we, we got to keep living together. Mm-hmm. And, and and then he has that moral growth, which then he understands once because they're, they're talking to him. He's part of the community. And he starts to understand, like, oh, my manipulation of you is wrong. And he actually creates an antidote for, uh, for the um addiction to the alcohol. Mm-hmm. He helps them like get off of it. Right. So, yeah, but but I think that's a growth. I don't think that he was always the moral being right. that he is sure. at the end.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I, I think I think. We're not in a good place for him. Because you, you can't be moral and live generations and seeing and dealing with the moral compromises of those, especially right. as a leader. It's, it's, it's like you and I, we're just plebs, you know, we're peasants in this whole structure. <clears throat> but I, and I've told you this before. I would be terrified of who I would be if I was a leader. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm old and you stick a microphone from my face, who knows what I'm going to be mumbling into it, you uh-huh. know? And so it's like, yeah, I think that term limits of four years is good enough. I think we should have term limits on Republicans and Democrats uh-huh. controlling anything. I think. Anyway, I got some crazy ideas of oh right. we need to
1: get but away. What from. if that Democrat. Was a world spanning sentient route.
0: Well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I don't want anything to outlive, like, literally, yeah. Like, make two moral compromises and then, or, or tough decisions and then get out. Well, don't and, have to make it. But any also, more. at the end,
1: they weren't arguing for Steve Lynn being a leader. He was just arguing to keep his spot on the council because everyone else wanted him gone. And I got the impression, my reading of it at least, was that I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I felt that Steve Lind, at the end of the book was in a better place than the people on the council were.
0: Listen, he may be in a better place for that moment. All I'm saying is, now that he's reached full kind of moral understanding, the pros and cons, he's, he is... Caused a massacre uh-huh. to defend the people, we can say that is a right moral choice. But you saw him deal with it after it. He's gonna have to make plenty more moral decisions, and eventually, he's not gonna be able to hold
1: those two in contradiction anymore, and he's gonna turn into a a crazy root. I oh, see. I don't see that. I don't see that as an inevitability. <clears throat>
0: I I don't like our our moral identity is is a complication you know as basic as it goes not to red pill blue pill this thing Uh but you know the matrix where it's like listen just live in ignorance of the bigger picture don't have to make any moral decisions make one moral decision to live just oblivious and then you're good like mm-hmm. if you have kind of any kind of moral value to this world your life dips drastically i don't see it like shooting up you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's not like now i care about orphans over in another country and i'm now i've never been happier in my life mm-hmm. it's like that, no you've you've taken on a tough moral quandary. And now you have to live with that intention. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't fix it. You can't resolve it.
1: Yeah, but you can work on it. I mean, that but, could but be no, fulfilling.
0: No. Yeah, yeah, no, you can work and and you can work on it. But what I'm saying is, so that, that that's a bad example because it's going to get <laughs> very dark very quickly. Uh-huh. <clears throat> what I think I'm trying to say is, in solving a problem, to really solve it, you're going to have to make a tough moral decision. Very rarely is a decision resolved by a simple, like, pull this lever, yes or no. Now the problem's gone. Uh-huh. And to be a leader in, in resolving one of those tough moral quandaries, so like this, how do you defend yourself against another population that wants to do you harm? Like that has ramifications on your psyche, on your morality, where even if this person tried to do you harm, you still were responsible for their death. You know? It's it's like the uh slow stabbing scene in Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um it's just impossibly hard to watch. Um even though like you've seen Saving Private Ryan. I feel like that's a movie that you'd say no I haven't seen it. Yeah I've seen it. Yeah. They make a moral decision to let this German officer go. But yeah. then comes back and, and uh, kills one of these people. Mm-hmm. Right moral decision, bad outcome. You were some way involved in that. And how are you walking away from that being like, I'm holding, yeah, moral decision is always the right way to go. It's, I, I don't see how that doesn't warp you a little bit. It, yeah, you know, of and course. And Steve Lind is going to see that. Time and time and time again. Like, this violence is now in the system. Like, they're not going to get away from the violence. Even even the, 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 like you said, there's complications with the serial killer. She has a moral dilemma. She presents a moral dilemma.
1: Mm-hmm. You mean whether she's just going to leave her in the woods or not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How to
0: deal with her. What's yeah. the right punishment? You know, the, these are things that you don't just like make a decision and walk away from. And then you're like, oh, that was glad I made that decision. That was easy. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it's it's I think it's seeding in this idea that Steven is not going to be um, like riding high on the moral high horse forever.
1: Sure. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I just don't think it disqualifies him from anything including running the world for the rest of his life. Okay. Not the rest of his life.
0: Again, I think he needs to at some point have a term limit. I I mean, honestly, I think at some point he has to have it built in where he's going to self-destruct in, in order to keep the, the, the whole going.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, any, do you have anything else to say about semiosis? Recommend.
0: So, yeah, again, I think,
1: how many stars?
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? The one thing I don't really uh, rank and list? Books. Um, yeah. So I would say a uh, m- uh, high recommend, mm-hmm. especially because I think it got me thinking.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's no, you know, Cormac McCarthy novel, but.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Uh, what about you? Yeah, I liked it. Okay. Um, do you want to quickly talk about the cons- the cult stuff? Yeah. So next week we're going to try and walk. We're going try to talk about Wild Wild Country on Netflix. Um, on Netflix, which is the six part documentary series. I'm four episodes in. Super good. Uh, and
0: it's, it's almost. Too well made.
1: Yeah, that's something I wanted to talk about. It is so not just with Wild Wild Country, but there's a the doc the documentaries and as a whole are going down this path, and I don't know how comfortable I am with it. (laughs) It's almost like I want them to be poorly made, right? You know what I mean? Because there's something about it, it feels a little exploitive. I guess it feels a little like you're drawing more attention to yourself, maybe than the source material maybe yeah
0: well yeah no it's i'd love to talk we need to talk more about because it stood out to me too and there's something yeah there's something about saying like like errol morris makes really good documentaries Mm -hmm. but especially with his talking heads it's just like all right we're gonna put this black sheet behind you right we're gonna make it look yeah good but but you know and in this one you get the feeling like they're in a curated space. It's like exactly. Wes Anderson came through yes. and was like, "Ooh, that is not a symmetrical yeah. book. We need to get the framing." A is very
1: obnoxious in some of the yeah I, yeah. It's strange. The,
0: the editing is so controlled in terms of even like. What sometimes they'll utilize like a slow motion right. and somebody like sitting. Like there's a scene where you're introduced to a character and it's just a slow motion shot of her walking from the back. yeah and as she sits, she turns and looks into the camera and then it starts playing what she's saying kind of over mm-hmm. her, but she's not speaking yet. And the way it syncs up, I was like It's that it's that's very like cinematic three months of work right, right there to be like, What are we how are we linking this up and everything? I mean very, yeah very yeah, cinematic and
1: there's a lot of like uh music being played I underneath talk about that too. when someone's talking that's like i maybe you should just like let me listen to what this guy is saying instead of like adding this strange layer of manipulation with the music at the end of episode one when bill
0: callahan came on did right. you were you <laughs> oh, just, i loved it that yeah you great. were pro- i, I was like i mean
1: even that was like that was I, like the credit at, that came up on the credits but like no i'm talking about like there's like the lawyer guy, and he's like recounting something, and there's almost this like champions music playing in the background. Mm. It's kind of like, I'm not sure how I feel about this guy, and I don't like you putting this music right here.
0: Yeah, I'm going yeah, I'll pay more attention to that. I was, I, I like their music choices at the end of every episode so yeah. far. It's really good.
1: Uh, so we're gonna try and do cult stuff, right? So Wild Wild Country, Dear Franklin, Franklin Jones. I don't. Is he Franklin Jones? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, which is a podcast.
0: There's only like three episodes out right now, right?
1: I think. And I, <clears throat> there's seven total, I guess, if you subscribe if you to sus- Stitcher yeah, been, Premium, right? So I've that won't be right. over by next week, but we can talk a little bit about it. Um, there's been a lot of culty stuff lately. I know that that's yeah. not the, I feel like there's another podcast that did the cult thing, but I can't remember now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are the, are those the only two things? Wild World Country and Dear Franklin Jones?
0: Yeah, I do feel like there's one more that, that we're missing. And maybe something will come up. Like, I think, of course, you know, a lot of good stuff has been done on, like, the Jonestown Massacre and stuff. I'm sure we right. talk about that.
1: But. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So next week, cults. woo